Sustainer Rumble is a part of Cut Print Podcast Network. Big thanks to the show managers, producers, and audio engineers for making this episode possible. You can follow Cut Print Podcast Network's official channels on Facebook, Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And also browse through their awesome lineup of podcasts you'll surely get obsessed with. I think we need to be more human-centered. At the end of the day, mobility is about people. Whether it's for you know public transport or for goods, you need to look into the people. What makes it easy, what makes it efficient, what makes it effective, safe, secure. So when it comes to infrastructure, we need to make sure it's climate-friendly. We need to make sure it's resilient. The movement to forward the cause of better mobility for all people is becoming ever stronger by the day after decades of the wrong approach. Surprisingly, it took a drastic global health crisis to speed things up. All the drastic effects aside, the pandemic has influenced positive changes in how the society behaves on a macro level. We saw further rise in digitization, e-commerce, on-demand services, and even transportation and mobility. The governing bodies began to rethink how we might effectively and efficiently address this challenge once and for all from a systemic point of view. This is coming from the premise that high-volume transport and faster and smoother mobility is in fact not about opening up more road space in favor of car movement than pedestrian. Instead, it is looking at how to improve the public and active transport systems as well as the infrastructure that enables ease of going around either on foot or on wheels. Compared to before, I don't think you'd really observe so many cyclists on the road. So how do we make it more accessible? It's really making sure that the connection, the link from the origin to the destination or to that next place that an individual would go, maybe it's for basic necessity, maybe it's for work. It's really looking at that infrastructure and making sure that people has uh, had a good infrastructure, a better provision for infrastructure, better technology perhaps, and making sure that the people are happy. This is Sustainer Rumble, the podcast that explores critical issues on sustainable development in the Philippines. I'm Chantal Nieto. I am Jonas Marie Dumdum. And I am Siki Asinas. In this episode, we will explore a global urban framework that helped transform the most progressive cities in the world today, like Vienna, Brussels, and Utrecht, from restraining and car-centric to sustainable and people-centric cities. From the 1970s to the 1990s, the most renowned model by country, the Netherlands, was a civilization similar to Metro Manila today. You'll see a very familiar image of streets that are unwalkable, choked with cars now parked left and right, while the rest for those that are passing with loads of smoke from gas guzzling engines filling every inch of airspace and no space for bikes. The spaces for moving majorly to highways, and there were hardly any safe walkways for pedestrians. That is despite the Western European countries being more attuned to their tradition, which prohibited themselves to build skyscrapers in order to preserve their culture and the mixed-use infrastructure. But they did it. Look at them now. And the first thing that always comes to mind when thinking of the Netherlands is hopping on bicycles to move around the beautiful, colorful cities. It took a right and firm mindset and a true political will to turn things around. 
This is also true for the neighboring countries such as Belgium, Austria, Germany, France, and the Scandinavian nations that all have robust and interconnected transport systems that won't give the citizens doubts on dependability and reliability in getting to where they want to go on time and with less hassle. Picture the inner streets to be free of cars, sidewalks are widened and are also integrated with dedicated bike lanes so cyclists and pedestrians can move at ease. And bus stops are placed strategically in locations where people live, work, play, meet with friends and family, dine and enjoy some quality time. Imagine how the Philippines would look like when it becomes bike-centric. Just look at Iloilo, which is widely known today as the country's premier bike-centric place to be. Imagine cycling around the city, witnessing its beauty and appreciating all the cultural infrastructure around it without having to worry about vehicular accidents that may occur. All this will begin with understanding how people move best given factors such as the people's physical capabilities, gender, and income class. Other factors that must also come into play include travel distance, availability of services and places of residence, and connectivity between different transport networks. Considering all of these will ultimately make mobility inclusive. There's always the space uh, making sure that it's really walkable, it's cyclable, it has all the needed infrastructure for people with disability, that women should not have an issue on safety. That's Daniel Gillen once again. We heard from her in the previous episode as she explained why the Philippines transport system is flawed. Given all the changes that the Philippine transport system has gone through, none of which seem to have clearly worked. What must be done then to turn things around like how the Dutch did it? So that's the ideal scenario. But having said that, we have to go back again to, of course, we need to go back to the history. And then we need now to understand how can we improve, right? And if I'm not mistaken, that's the reason, for instance, in Cebu, they're working on on a BRT concept, right? Bus rapid transit concept. The bus rapid transit is a global framework for commuter bus travels within cities wherein buses have a dedicated lane, usually the median or the innermost lane, to traverse from one point to the other. This framework has been proven very effective in highly urbanized cities with high ridership, which allows on-time arrival of buses, fast travel, and seeing this on EDSA at its most basic form, just after the first of the extreme restrictions that were lifted. And now the government, because of the pandemic, I think this is the positive side of the pandemic, People now, because most of us are in our homes or watching the television, and then other people have no access to good public transport, people now are recognizing you know, the importance of a good walkway and a good cycling lanes. People are really cycling. By now, it is a known fact that anyone living in Metro Manila, like us, knows at least one person who's biking. Some may have been on it for a long time now, but a lot have just secured the first bike in 2020 due to the travel constraints. Hence, the hashtag bike to work became the most recent lifestyle trend and hashtag protected bike lanes became a widespread outcry. This is something to be proud of because in fact, in over 30 years of transport planning, it only took less than a year to allocate bike lanes on highways, avenues, and inner streets, which constituted local government's participation to think about mobility better as well. 
Now that the lanes are there and there are the proposals in erecting protection barriers or mirroring widened walkways with two-way bike lanes, what are some other considerations to create a connectivity between bikes and other modes? You know what, guys? <laughs> Being a plantito you know, in real life is perhaps one of the best things I've started last year. I may have gone along with the trend, but you know what? I'm thankful I did nonetheless. I totally dig this newfound love of yours, Jodas. My mom loves gardening, and every morning I've been assisting her to maintain and grow our plants. I must admit that it's one of the most therapeutic things you can ever do in a day. You know that feeling when you get up in the morning and the sun is just high up, then you go outside to your terrace or wherever to check on your plants. Then, I don't know, watering them gives a similar feeling to meditating. It's just so light and nice. Simple joys and all that jazz eventually does not need to be an expensive lifestyle. For as low as 300 pesos, you can get a very pretty potted plant from Isa's plant bar that will add more color to your room or better yet, add more life on your work desk as you carry on with your day-to-day backlogs. They get everything plant-related, from plants, to the soil, the rocks, and the pots. Check out Isa's plant bar on Facebook and find that there is a special service where you can just send the name or the photo of the plant you want and the plant bar will find it for you. And as they say, a greener home starts with a plant baby. I think when you talk about cycling infrastructure, it's all about connectivity and accessibility. I think people are saying, oh, I want to bring bicycle on the truck, on a train or on a, on a bus. But I've experienced it and I'm telling you, it's not easy. So my idea is, why not have a parking space on or a terminal? Now, if we cannot provide an option for the bike infrastructure, then make sure that you'll allow the bike to be brought in a bus, you know, that you can bring it. And then the next stop, you know, you can always go down. Bikes are very suitable for people that can ride it with full capacity. Cycling is gender neutral and it can be safer and more convenient when safe infrastructure is in place. It also comes with health benefits, as it was concluded in a study that bike-centric countries in the world have healthier people than those that do not. It's also economical because your fuel is your physical energy. Therefore, people that bike have been shown to save on gas and car maintenance costs. But what is left for the rest of the population? The problem still lies with the amount of cars on the roads, majority of which being seven-seater SUVs that on average carry one to two people in it. For me, if you ask me as a planner, I will always prioritize on road, if you have limited road spaces, I will always prioritize bus. The reason being is because it would carry more passenger compared with, of course, with the bike. I would prioritize always those that carry more people. Solving this mobility issue does not really constitute a technologically advanced solution that is reserved for future problems once the current mobility issue in the Philippines' highly urbanized cities is solved. All it takes now is going back to the fundamentals and seeing things on a larger scale, not just a specific avenue's traffic movement. For decades, we have paid attention to moving cars, not people and goods. And that means paying attention to improving all forms of mobility, not just private vehicles. 
we need to pay attention to public transit and active transport, then improve mobility transfers by answering questions such as, how will the cyclist pass by the expressway via intermodal transport in a bus? Does the terminal have safe bike lanes and walkways leading to residential areas and city centers? Will the next bus stop have a dedicated jeepney stop for the last two kilometer travel? Are travel endpoints transit oriented? And so on. All these are valid points to consider. Not as lucrative as expected, but very practical. Not novel, but proven. But what is that global framework that served as guiding principles for planners and authorities in Europe, which our local authorities and planners can maximize to effectively enact all these infrastructural improvements and implement policies for support and sustainability of these solutions? It's the so-called avoid, shift, and improve framework. It's about avoid, improve, shift. Ironically, because of the pandemic, the avoid factor has been implemented. I mean, well, of course, there's a government intervention, but it's more of a health issue, right? We as sustainable transport practitioners and with the goal of having a sustainable mobility, we always advocate for avoid, improve, shift, right? And I think if you didn't recognize the need to avoid traveling, we'll not really be talking about it at all. But now, the first thing is really to try to avoid. And then because of that, that's why you need to improve. And to improve, what do we mean by improve? Improve meaning having better infrastructure, improving the public transport service. And to a certain point, I think that's the reason the government is really working on on really providing us all these options. It's really improving because the tendency, if you don't have good public transport, you know, the goal of every Filipino, if I'm not mistaken, maybe with ambition, no, is to have a car. Why do they dream of having a vehicle? Simply because your public transport is not really something that could be a very good option. And then there's a shift. What do we mean by shift? always shift to a better option. So for instance, nowadays you will hear about electric buses, no? Is it something that our government could also look into? I know that there's already discussion on that too. But of course, you have to look at the energy source. So now we're looking at the whole system. Shift for short distance trip. When I came back and had students, no? And I've been asking them why they're not walking at all. The reason is because they don't know that there's really a shortcut from going to one place to another of the same area that they want to. Because they're just so familiar on taking the tricycle when in fact they can actually walk for, let's say, 500 meters. Like in other countries, as a kid, the kids are encouraged to walk to take public transport, to cycle as early as four years old, you know, they you will see the parents teaching their kids to cycle. And, you know, they have like this session. I remember it clearly a five years old kindergarten walking. Now, based on your experience, when was the first time your parents allowed you to walk to your school? You go back to your own personal experience and then you travel and then you ask friends abroad. Their experience would be different. Why? Because there's always, I think, the fear issue, no? So there's always safety and security, and that's just a reality. Coming up on the next episode of Rumble Talks, mobility inclusive. We have to really think about all kinds of commuters. 
all kinds of riders also. It goes with the design or the infrastructure. Because at the first place, if the design and infrastructure is there, then you're already encouraging people to actually take public transport. Rumble Talks is our weekly special containing candid conversations beyond the numbers and the science on the previously explored topics. And of course, there we will talk about our personal thoughts about mobility and more. So stay tuned. If you are interested to join us in these conversations, do send us an email at sustainerumbleteam at gmail.com. Drop a message on our Facebook page's inbox or reach out to us personally if you know us so that he can line you up. In the meantime, do follow us on our socials through the links found in the description box and share this episode with your friends that are passionate about mobility or you think would benefit from learning a bit more from it.